Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the parables, all, all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every, se every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. 
The earth produces the crop on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. This is God's word. Amen. Good morning, Refuge. We do miss you dearly and look forward to the day when we will be back together in this building or maybe in a field somewhere. Who knows? Um, Mark 4, 1 through 34 is what we're looking at this morning. And Mark begins this section um, with this picture of Jesus in his public ministry. Once again, large cloud, crowds excuse me, are flocking to Jesus. And Jesus takes this opportunity to tell the multitude a story. And it starts, this is important in Mark, it starts with him giving a call to listen. And it finishes similarly. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. The irony is, no one gets it. But that's really what this parable is about. It's about how different people will listen and respond to Jesus and his message. Later, Jesus' disciples come and ask him about the meaning of his teaching. And he says to them, to you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of God, but for everyone else I use parables. Jesus, in this passage, he says that his teaching is cryptic on purpose, and it's in order to get people to search and seek him out. As demonstrated after the parable of the sower, uh, in other gospels it says that Jesus, he's in this boat, and as soon as he finishes he says, if anyone has ears, let them hear. And then he tells Peter to launch out into the water. Jesus doesn't stick around for a Q&A. Really, if you want answers, you need to mull over Jesus' words. You must not dismiss them and write them off. You must not have dishonest doubts. But instead, the point is to seek after Jesus, to come after him, and as you do, more will be revealed. Just like with the disciples, they seek him out. And when they were alone, it says that Jesus disclosed all of this to them. So for those who write off Jesus, they will not only miss out on the revelation of God and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, but on the true story of the world. But for those who will doubt their doubts, for those who will suspend their judgments and press into Jesus in order to truly hear, Jesus promises that more will be revealed. Now, Jesus says by speaking in parables, he is in fact fulfilling what was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet. And Isaiah talked about this, that 
he was sent to the nation of Israel that he also would speak, but the people would not understand that they would have eyes, but they would not see. And this was an act of God's judgment because the people that should have known God, the people that should have received his word, his people rejected. And yet those people who were outside of the covenant of Israel were those who would receive God's word. And that's what we have here in the story of Jesus and Mark, right? The insiders, those who should have seen and heard and known and recognized the kingdom of God when it came. The authorities, the religious leaders, the high priest family, the scribes are blinded to it. They're offended by it. They dismiss it and they even fight against it. While those who are considered sinners, outsiders, Galileans, Gentiles, the blind, the lame, the demon-possessed, and even at the end of Mark, we see a Roman centurion who's the great outsider and enemy of Israel. He truly sees. These all truly see. They truly hear and have a revelation of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And Mark uses this insider-outsider motif again and again. And it's a picture of God's salvation and God's judgment simultaneously. Now, the question it kind of begs, does God want people to repent and believe? because this sounds like he doesn't. And if we really understand the message of scripture, this seems wrong and out of character for God. So the, the answer is yes, of course God wants people to repent and believe. The problem really lies with us. How we perceive God, how we think about power, how we think about authority. What if, as I said last week, God is actually way more liberal, patient, humble, gracious, and loving than you think he is? What if God is actually way more conservative, holy, truthful, honest, righteous, pure, and faithful than you think he is? See, the religious leaders and the crowd miss Jesus' message because it's not the kingdom that they are looking for. It's not the kingdom that they want, and so they dismiss it and write it off as powerless, insignificant, absurd. So a poignant question then for the reader, for us, for disciples is, who are we? Where do we find ourselves? Are we insiders? Are we outsiders? And to answer that, we must ask, are we really listening to Jesus? Now, as we go further into the passage, Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples how the kingdom of God works. Jesus uses two seed, two more seed parables in verses 26 and 34, and he speaks there of the inevitability of the kingdom of God. So though we maybe judge it to be small, remember Jesus is using mustard seed. He's using this idea of sowing and farming. Though we may judge it, the seed, the kingdom, to be small, insignificant, even powerless or ineffective in light of the world's needs, maybe even at this moment, or it may seem to be weak compared to the power structures of the world, God's kingdom is coming into this world. It is inevitable. Truly, the whole cosmos is headed for that moment where the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge, or the knowledge, excuse me, of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We are headed for that moment when he who is seated on the throne says, behold, I make all things 
new. And in Jesus' parables, he tells us that this is unstoppable. It's like a seed that's put into the ground. It will grow in time. It's like a mustard seed. It is so small and insignificant, but when it is fully grown, it is this massive tree and the birds of the air find shelter in it. God's kingdom is unstoppable and nothing can thwart the promises of God getting out to the world that he so deeply loves. Not the subversive work of Satan, not the unbelief of Israel, not the rejection of the religious leaders, not the apparent tragedy of the cross, not the persecution of the church, not even the compromise of the church throughout the ages, not world wars, not nuclear fallout, not even COVID-19, right? Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. And Jesus speaks to the fact that the earth itself and its ability to reproduce is a mystery. It's a mystery. We sow seed into the ground and by and large the earth knows exactly what to do or as we often say we let nature run its course, right? Likewise the kingdom is inevitable. We sow the seeds of the kingdom but we leave the mystery of how and win into the hands of the king, into the hands of God. Now, this passage, I believe, really couldn't come at a more poignant moment. The world right now is in a state of emergency, and it seems every day that there's some new development that threatens life as we know it. Uh, I was reading this week about China dissolving the one country, two systems policy and all the chaos that's happening there. We've been reading about murder hornets in the U.S., the Sahara dust cloud that's blowing across the Atlantic, coming to the U.S. We read about Russian bounties on U.S. soldiers, COVID-19 spiking all over the nation, protests and riots. Unemployment skyrocketing. There's social and political upheaval. There's businesses and economy is just tanking. The businesses are tanking. The government just released photos of UFOs. And when that happens, everybody's like, man, whatever. Yeah, like it's not a big deal compared to everything else that's going on in the world right now. And I wonder if at this moment, the Bible, Jesus, the gospel and the kingdom of God seem to have little to no effect on our current situation to you. Like the people of Jesus' day, we want to see something awesome. We want to see heaven come down. We want to see, again, the sky torn open and angels descending and setting everything right. We want to see the kingdom come in all of its power and all of its glory. And as in Jesus' day, right, they wanted to see the kingdom established. They wanted to see Rome overthrown. And Jesus says, listen, a sower went out to sow. Here's this great rabbi that everyone's talking about. He makes the blind see. He makes the lame walk. And the crowds gather. And what does Jesus do? Listen, everyone. Pay attention to what I'm saying. A sower went out to sow. The kingdom of heaven is like lightning. (laughs) No, Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like the last thing that you expect. What is Jesus talking about? The crowd's dismissal of Jesus and his teaching based on the seeming insignificance of the kingdom, I believe is exactly what Mark wants to get at. 
especially in a time when the issues of the world and the culture seem so desperate around us. We want an immediate answer. We want a silver bullet. We want a revolution. We want change right now. And Jesus says, what shall we liken? The powerful justice-bringing, righteous-reigning, shalom-bringing, eternal kingdom of God to, it is like seed. In time, it will grow, and eventually it will fill the earth. It's not what we want to hear. And I think if we are disillusioned by the way God is working in the world, it probably has to do with our own agendas and our perspectives that we bring upon Scripture, what we think is the right way to go. We're trying to mold Jesus and the kingdom into our own image. How we think the kingdom does come, how we think the kingdom should come. And I believe what Mark is saying to us, if that's the case, if we are offended, if we are befuddled by Scripture and by Jesus, it's probably because we have not been listening. It's probably because we have not been paying close enough attention to how Jesus, the gospel, and Scripture work in ways, ways we, we have probably missed. And so this is vitally important to disciples because Jesus says to you, to us, disciples, has been given the secret or mystery of the kingdom of God. It reminds me when Jesus is standing there on the mount where he gives his incredible sermon and he looks out on this rabble, this crowd, and he says, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. It's this incredible statement that Jesus looks at these disciples and he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God, the new creation that we were made for, that we long for, that all of history is headed for, the healing of the cosmos, the reconciliation of all tribes, nations, and peoples, a healed creation is here and is coming through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This secret has been revealed to us. Followers of Jesus hold in our very hearts and lives the hope and destiny of all the world. Do we know this? Do we believe this? This is an incredible statement. To you has been given the mystery or the secret of the kingdom of God. We have been brought into Jesus' secret plan, his inner circle, his counsel, in order that we would take this to the world, that we would make the kingdom known as Jesus says the lamp does not come or is not brought to be put under a basket, but displayed to give light to all. I love how Leslie Newbegin in his book, The Mission of the Church to All Nations, summarizes this idea. He says, the gospel is the truth, and therefore it is true for all people. It is the unveiling of the face of him who makes all things, from whom every person comes and to whom every person goes. It is the revealing of the meaning of human history, of the origin and destiny of mankind. Jesus is not only our savior, he is Lord of all things, the cause and cornerstone of the universe. And if I believe that, then to bear witness to that is the very stuff of existence. 
if I think I can or should keep it to myself, then I don't really in any sense understand or believe the gospel. Or he puts it this way in another place. The true meaning of the human story has been disclosed, and because it is the truth, it must be shared universally. It cannot be a private opinion. And when we share it with all people, we give them the opportunity to know the truth about themselves, to know who they are, because they can know the true story of which their lives are a part as those who have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, our task is to make it known, to make this universal truth, to make known the the end and destiny of universal history, to make it known to all, to spread and sow, as Jesus says, the seeds of the kingdom. That is the call of Jesus' inner circle of his disciples, to sow the seeds of the kingdom. Jesus asks, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a mustard seed. Now, this is very interesting because Jesus, more than likely quoting from Isaiah 40, verse 18, God says there, who is like me or what can you compare me with? And in this chapter, God is comparing himself with the idols that the nation of Israel are worshiping or that the nations surrounding Israel are worshiping. So it's God versus idols. It's interesting here. It's kingdom versus kingdom ideologies that Jesus is talking about. To what shall we compare the kingdom? What is our idea of the kingdom? Jesus said it's like mustard seed. Now, of course, the Jews of the first century were not ignorant of the concept of the kingdom of God or the messianic kingdom, but in their minds, it came through a violent overthrow of the Gentile nations. It looked more like the Davidic kingdom than what Jesus was doing. It was fighting the pagan Philistines and idol worshipers. It came through an act of war and judgment And this is why Jesus' message and way was so countercultural then, even as it is now. He's teaching about seed, right? We could probably list a hundred things right here, right now, that are more dynamic and powerful than seed. I mean, just go, family, take a minute, pause, and just list out at least five things you can think of that are more powerful than seed. It will not take you long, right? Even in in the book of Daniel, right, when the kingdom of heaven is envisioned there, it's a stone made without hands that comes out of nowhere and it crushes this massive image that represents the kingdoms of the earth. Nope, here, seed. That's the analogy or metaphor that Jesus gives it. It's seed. Seed. Seed takes time. Seed must grow. Seed needs care, it needs sun and water and cultivation. Seed is not sudden. Seed is not dynamic. Sometimes it feels so mundane and insignificant to farm. It's just slow and steady. It's day by day, it's season after season of faithfully planting, watering, and sowing. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Living out following Jesus and bearing witness to the king, excuse me, to the gospel and the kingdom is lifelong faithfulness. The Christian walk and work is a long obedience in the same direction. We are called to sow 
the seeds of the kingdom, leaving the harvest up to God. So what does it look like then to sow the seeds of the kingdom? Now, of course, there is a community or corporate aspect to this, right? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. So how we live our lives collectively matters. How we live our life collectively, we need to be sowing seeds as a community. Where we put our money, where we put our tithes and offerings, what these go to, what we are concerned about, justice and mercy, righteousness, peace, praise and worship in a culture of doubt and skepticism, truth in a pluralistic society that overwhelms and produces relativism, selflessness in a culture uh, that is deeply narcissistic and just concerned with self. There are so many ways in which the church lives this out collectively, but it's also our individual task. It's each of us bringing the character and demonstration of God's kingdom to bear upon our spheres of influence to our families, to our neighbors, our coworkers, our unique opportunities that we have. And let me say through my own experience of being here for 15 years, it takes time. It takes time to get to know your neighbors. It takes time for them to trust you, for them to see your life and to begin to see the difference in your life. All of that takes time. It's seed, it's seed being sown, it's gardening, it's farming. It may not be obviously dynamic, flashy work that we think should accompany the gospel and the kingdom of God. It usually isn't. But think of Jesus' own ministry. Who did Jesus go to? It was with nobodies that he gave his time and attention. Where was it? It was in the back hills of Galilee. Remember, even the disciples themselves, when, they, when one of them finds out, oh, he says, you know, we've, we found the prophet. He's from Nazareth. How does he respond? <laughs> Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, this is where Jesus comes from. His ministry is in Podunkville in the back hills. It's not in the cultural hubs that Jesus gives his most powerful sermons. It was outside of Jerusalem hanging on a cross that the Son of God did his greatest and most effective work. Like a seed, his body was planted in the ground only to rise as the new creation and make the way possible for the rest of the creation. Never underestimate the significance of planting seeds of the kingdom. The scripture is filled with this type of metaphorical language. The kingdom of heaven is like seed. It will grow in time, and God promises it is inevitable. It will become a tree that will fill the whole earth. Leslie Newbegin, who I quoted earlier, he was a missionary in Madras, India. 
back in the early part of the 20th century, and he wrote of a time when he invited a group of converts to share their stories of coming to Christ. And they all said that it took place through a series of events over a period of time. Sounds a lot like sowing seed, doesn't it? They said for some, it was a conversation with a friend just on the factory floor. For others, a visit from a Christian during an illness. It was a reading of a tract or scripture. It was an act of kindness by a Christian. For others, it was a sermon, a prayer, a dream, or a vision. This and a hundred other little seeds were planted, but it was the Lord who brought about the increase in the harvest. Newbegin said, if you were actually to get all of these people on a panel and ask them, how is evangelism done? How is the kingdom brought? They would probably have their own opinions because of how it happened to them. But... He remarked, no one could have programmed all of this. The strategy was not in any human hands. It was just this seed just being sown in just a hundred, a thousand different ways. And that is what brought about the harvest. It was sowing seed. It took place over a course of events and over a period of time. And this is how the kingdom works. In closing, church, the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God has been entrusted to disciples of Jesus. That's who we are. Many people are blind to it because it's neither what they want or what they expect. The work is not flashy. It's hard. As we talked about last week, it it calls for costly engagement. It's costly work. It's slow. It's steady. It calls for faithfulness like farming and seed planting. It's a long obedience in the same direction. But God has promised. God, who brought the the worlds into being. God, who causes the sun to rise each day. God, who, who has the very breath in our lungs. God has promised to build, to grow, and to establish his kingdom. It is inevitable. We need to remember that now, in this season, at this time, the kingdom is inevitable. It will come. And so our charge is the same that Paul gave to the Corinthian church. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It is like seed that is put in the ground. We don't know how it works. We put it in the ground. We cover it over. God brings the increase. He brings about the harvest. Our work is to plant the seeds of the kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you help us to not be distracted from the task that you have given us. Jesus, you have finished your course. You did all that the Father told you to do. You finished your course. The book of Hebrews says you have sat down. Lord, help us now to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Help us to follow your instruction that we would be those who sow the seeds of the kingdom. Lord, would we not be distracted? Would we not be disillusioned because it's not flashy? It's not dynamic in the way that we think it should be. It's not what we think we should do because we think we're so important. Take all that away. 
Lord, and make us obedient. Help us to be those who listen to Jesus, our rabbi, that we would be faithful to sow the seeds of your kingdom until you reap the harvest, until the kingdom comes, and it will come. And Lord, we long for that day, and we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. We pray all this in your name. Amen.